Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowlers Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joey, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Masters for a little bit. What a great performance by Tom Hess. Well, I thought it was one of the more exciting shows. And, uh, I mean, we've been blessed uh, with a number of exciting finishes on the Pro Tour this year. Uh, But being able to handle all that pressure and keep his emotions in check in the title match, you know, against a a tour veteran, more or less, Jack Jurek, it was just a thrill to watch. And and you didn't want to see either guy lose, but you knew one of them had to. And, uh, I mean, Tom... uh, Definitely proved his his medal. What, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I agree, and I, I think one thing that a lot of people you're seeing on the on the forums and everything is how Jack handled himself. What a class act! Uh, at, after Tom threw that first strike, saying "Compose yourself, make one more shot here," because he did still have to fill you know fill some pins there on that last ball. And uh, I, like you said, just one of the really truly nice guys. Everything you read and see about Jack is that he's just a, a, a he is a class act. And a really great way, and, and like you said, you'd really hate to see one of those two guys lose. But I agree completely. It was a great show. Well, you know, and Jack kind of reinforced the fact to, to be a true champion and, and a great champion, you need to be gracious in defeat and, you know, give kudos to those who have their day against you. And Tom Hess, that was his tournament, w- without question. Now, you know, I've been fortunate enough to correspond back and forth with Tom over the years, and and he's given me some info what he used on the show. He had two virtual gravity nanos. Uh, Now, that definitely is going to spur some sales because he made that ball look plenty good. And and we've been testing that ball for about three weeks, and, and it is as good as advertised. And my question, Tom, one of the first questions was, I noticed you had two balls on the rack there, nanos, one with a pin up and one with the pin down. So naturally being a ball guy, my question to him was, Tom, why did you use the lower pin position between the bridge as opposed to the pin above the fingers? And his response to me was he threw them both. He saw more down lane continuation with the lower pin due to the fact lower pins have what's called a longer hook zone, Uh, not necessarily sharper, but a longer, more continuous, and more continuation down lane. And he said that gave him a better look. When he threw his pin up, the ball responded quicker to the friction when it left the pattern, then entered the roll phase sooner and had more of a forward roll. Now, again, it takes a, a trained, experienced eye to see this, but the bottom line was he made the right call because his carry was pretty darn good and, uh, you know, he probably would have hit the pocket with either one, Tim, but you always want to choose the ball that hopefully gives you, say, an 80% pin carry or higher. Joey, you bring up a great point there that a lot of bowlers uh, on our level, on my level more than your level, kind of sometimes fill the grasp, is it's not overall hook. It's These balls are the exact same ball, but by having the, the pin lower, he, he made he increased his hook zone, which is what you want to do on, on those challenging and demanding shots, and it gave him a little more area where the ball wasn't going to be so skid snappy. Right, and you know, it, it's almost somewhat unimportant how much a ball hooks in today's game. 
but it is important where it hooks and how it hooks for pin carry. In other words, you and I could score very, very well going reasonably direct to the pocket or score every bit as well throwing the big roundhouse hook. The bottom line is you want a ball that gives you some room for error at your break point and a ball that goes through the pins in such a fashion that you're not leaving, you know, 7s, 8s, 9s, and 10s. In fact, Chris Barnes told me once, Joel, when I'm lined up in league or in tournaments and I leave a soft 10, I don't put that ball away. I, I, I keep it. I stay with it because wherever there's a weak 10, he said there's a five-bagger right next to it. And he said he, he laughs at times because when he goes back home in, in Flowermont, Texas, and Bulls in league, he says, I see these guys, that they'll go a double, they'll leave a flat 10, they, they quickly put that ball in the bag, and then they start leaving 7s, 8s, 9s, you know, all different taps. They don't realize leaving a weak 10 is not a bad sign. It could just be a bad release on your part, or you just meet, need to make a, a minor little move with your feet and target. So, in other words, these pros look for an earlier break point than most good amateurs, and they want a ball that rolls through the pocket, not hooks through the pocket, in most cases for, for optimal pin carry. Well, and, and I'm wondering what was going through Jack Jurek's mind because in the eighth and ninth frame when he threw those two splits, they didn't look like they were that bad balls off his hand. It looked like the ball just, just stayed right and skated on him and just squirted down the lane. Well, I mean, we've all left two eight tens at times, and you know, normally for me, it's either the wrong ball choice where the ball's not picking up soon enough, or I didn't get it off my hand as cleanly as I need to, or my elbow bumped out a little bit, and I didn't quite get the leverage that I try and get at the release point. Uh, you know, Jack started with the front seven, so that eliminates the ball not being proper. So his mechanics may have been just a little bit off. Uh, I mean, he knew Hess was coming, and he might have felt a little bit of the pressure, and, and as good as he is under pressure, you and I can't fathom how much pressure he's he's having, you know, enduring, let's say, right? You know, it's for the Masters. You know, it's on TV. I mean, you're bowling for a, another title. I mean, I would be, you know, you know what, in my pants at that situation, much less have to make a great shot after the front seven. And Jack hasn't been on TV yet this year, so this was his first telecast. And like you said, with, with the pros now having less tournaments, there's more focus on when there is a tournament. Right, and, and plus it was a major, and, and Jack, Jack may have been, you know, I'm, I'm presuming this, I'm guessing this, but he may have been a little drained. You know, being in the winner's bracket the entire week and beating some pretty top-name players on route to this championship match, I mean, that's no easy task. And if you look back on, at the PBA website or the bowl.com website and you look at some of his scores, I mean, he shot some huge 700s, and that's not easy to do on a, on a challenging lane condition, especially head-to-head match. Exactly. Well, yeah, well, you're bowling a three-game set against guys, and winner moves on, loser goes to the loser's black bracket for the double elimination. Joey, let's switch gears uh, to our league play. And we were talking before a little bit, and it sounds like you had a, a fairly successful night throwing that same uh, same nano. Well, you know, I had to use it, and, and I love the ball, but I, I typically use, you know, different products every week in my league. And we were on PBA Chameleon, bowling against Dave Barris's team, and, you know, on his team is, is Chad Moss as well. I mean, it's, it's one of the stronger teams in our league. Uh, and I had a few other bowlers in our league that says, hey, Joey, bring your nano down so we can see how it rolls on this condition. So I bring two of them down. 
uh, one pin below like Tom Hess's one pinned above. And we were in a 39-foot pattern, uh, not as oily as you'd think it could be on SPL surface. So I basically chose the pin-up drilling and stood with my left foot around 21, 22. So I was crossing probably around 11 at the arrows out to about 5 at the break point and trying to use as best a forward roll that I can muster with my release pattern. Normally, I have about an 80-degree axis rotation, which is kind of Pete Weber-like. I tried to lower that in half. In other words, trying not to come around the ball, but to basically roll up from behind the ball, more end-over-end roll. And for me, the pin-up gave me length, hook, and just like Tom has you know, stated, it gave me more forward roll, so the ball held pocket. Our back ends were really clean. When I chose the pin down, it actually read the pattern sooner and had a little bit stronger back end hook, which wasn't what that lane condition was asking for. So I I choose the pin up drilling. I threw a few bad shots each game, but it seemed the shots I threw well all struck and ended up with a 686 series and, and just really had a fun time because the ball carried anything and everything in sight and if I would have been sharper, Tim, I mean, it probably could have been a 750 or higher because with those Aaron shots every game, I was fortunate to break up splits. But when I threw it good, it was eight or nine strikes each game. It sounds to me then like the Nano is the ball that uh, you, as you, you mentioned last week, and if you missed last week's show, take a listen. We were talking about the wow factor that you're coming out with with the Bowlers Journal International Magazine and your ball reviews. This ball is definitely going to get one of those wow factors? Well, the wow factor rating will be basically incorporated into review. It, it, we're not going to designate balls as wow balls and some not being wow balls. But basically, we're going to incorporate that into a review if a ball just impresses us beyond the norm or just displays a, a higher range of usability than typically you would see from a, a specific type of ball structure. Um, and it's definitely a wow ball. I mean, there's uh, the Mission Domination, now called the Mission 250K, is a wow ball. Uh, the Victory Road, definitely a wow ball. The Columbia World Beater is a wow ball. They, these balls just really go above and beyond what, what you'd expect from, uh, you know, let, let's say, a specific type of ball design. Uh, it's it's amazing, Tim, how good these products have become over the last few years. And there's very few bad balls being made. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I get questions, how come they all sound good? I says, because they are good. And they're all going to be good on specific conditions. Look for that in your March edition of the Bowler Journal International Magazine. Great stuff I know is going to be coming up. Uh, Joey, just quickly on my league pattern, uh, we were bowling, and this was the third of the fourth week on the pattern, and I, I shot 580 with, I think I had three opens, no, no spare misses. I, I left a couple big splits. Um, but it took me, I was kind of frustrated, it took me a little bit to recognize the pattern we were bowling on was not what we were supposed to be bowling on. We are supposed to be bowling on a Kegel pattern. And it ended up, the last game I got one, probably about five right of where I, I was aiming. And really, frankly, on, on a, any sort of sport-compliant shot, it should have been you know one two four or, or a washout or something. I should have been punished for my bad shot. And when it came through and hooked, and I actually left like the, the six pin, you know, crumbled leave the six pin, I was like, okay, this is not what we're supposed to be bowling on. Um, which it's funny. I always seem to struggle a little bit on their house pattern uh, just with the carry, as as amazing as it is. I still shot, like I said, around 190, 92, 95, 98 each game, 
Um, but just the carry wasn't there. So, But, Tim, that's not uncommon for bowlers that bowl on, say, flatter patterns more regularly. You put them on a house condition where there's more oil in the center and more friction to the outside boards. It can be tricky to control or manage the ball properly when you're used to less overreaction. All of a sudden you see overreaction when you miss wide of target. Yeah, and then I, I agree completely, and I um, I also think I had the wrong piece in my hand too then because you go in with the mindset, and it wasn't when you're shooting those games or you're just not caring, kind of like what you were alluding to earlier with Chris Barnes. I didn't want to put the ball away because it wasn't that my look was bad with the ball I was throwing. It just wasn't carrying the greatest, and I finally, after that, did say, okay, I have to put it away, switch to my Cell Pearl with the higher pin placement and move further right, and then then was fine that last game aside from a couple stone nine pins, which you can't do much about. But uh, anyways, Joey, got an email here that I want to get your thoughts on. And again, if you have a question or comment for us, it's above180 at gmail.com, above180 at gmail.com, or also on Twitter. You can shoot us a message as well. But this one comes all the way from Australia, Joey, and it's from Ken McLaughlin. And Ken has some questions about an email he sent to the uh, bowl, you know, the USBC, in essence, asking, and it sounds like Ken is a little frustrated with the fact that scores are outrageous and bowling is kind of, in his word, in his view, that technological advances are taking away from the sport. So he has a couple things that he sends that I'd like to just bounce off of you as far as what your thoughts are, if some of this would, would help tame down the scoring. And the first one you're going to have to help me with because I'm I know a little bit about it, but he talks about heavier PBA pins, uh, four ounce plus, and he realizes that this has been you know this has been suggested in the past that they uh, change the pins, but he says uh, he's wondering I guess would that the simple change in physics would that make the scores go down a little bit? I think it obviously would, and uh, I'm sure the USBC has tested heavier pins or pins with lower center of gravities and i think their fear is pins that are harder to knock down could cause juniors to quit seniors to quit women bowlers to quit the sport if they all of a sudden see their pin carry drop dramatically now that's my opinion uh would it help the sport in long-term aspects i would think it would because it would put a premium on good execution. In other words, say you and I are using our our high-powered equipment and a less-than-perfect release, instead of leaving a soft 10 or even carrying, it leaves a 5.7 or an 8.10. Our next time up on the approach, we would really have to think of executing better with our release as not to leave another one. So it would help the sport, but again... It would humble some bowlers and cause some to become frustrated because they, they wouldn't be able to get away with what they get away with now. So I think it would have to be done incrementally and maybe raise the pins, you know, three or four ounces at a time. But that's all at an expense to the proprietor. And, again, if the proprietor has to spend more money buying new pins, the consumer will have to pay for that indirectly. Uh, but but I, I think some of the ideas that Ken sent were, were spot on. And uh, I think we're going to have to devote an entire show, possibly even with Ken as our guest uh, interviewer, uh, and, and go through each one one by one, Tim. Yeah, exactly. And that's you bring up an interesting point because a lot of bowlers that me and you run in and circle with and talk to all agree that the scoring is out of control. 
But then we're not always thinking about like what you just said there with the proprietor and that bowling center, because as a bowling center, let's be, let's be honest here. People still go and bowl where the scores are high. I mean, they're not going to say, oh, I'm going, I mean, me and you will possibly and some people we know, but not everyone is going to say, I'm going to go bowl at X bowling center because I know they put out a legitimate shot. You're going to, some people are going to say, I'm going to go and bowl here because I know I'm going to get my 800 possibly this year. If I throw the ball well, I'm going to get a 300 or two and, and I'm going to average two and a quarter. So that's, that's all I want. Right. And, you know, the thing is, even though the scoring environment is higher, it's higher for everyone if they take advantage of it. And just because it's easy to hit the pocket now, it's always been easy to hit the pocket. Since the 1950s, lanes have either had little grooves in them in the track area on the lacquer, or lanes have been walled up since the 60s and 70s as well with oil patterns. The bottom line is we need to carry. And as easy as it is for us to hit the pocket, Bad releases on our part or, or the wrong ball in our hand, our carry percentage won't be good. And we still need to read the transition as it occurs. I mean, it's, it, it's easy, but it's not that easy. Otherwise, everyone would be averaging 250. Agreed. And, Joey, I, I completely agree with you about having Ken on to, uh, to discuss some of these ideas. And by all means, like I said, shoot us an email if you have a question and make sure you are following us on, uh, on Facebook. It's Facebook. Uh, it's www.facebook. Dot com forward slash taking your bowling game to the next level. That's how you can find us there. Joey, we're trying to do some really neat things with Facebook. And then also uh, you want to be a, we want to like us because you never know what's going to pop up there that if, if you don't, if you only listen to the podcast possibly, or you only check out the site, you might miss uh, some, some great opportunities as, as we move forward here. And also uh, twitter.com it's above 180 is our Twitter handle. So check us out there as well. Going to be doing some neat things there. And by all means, Joey, I know we've added a, a bunch of listeners over the last month to two. Uh, check out some of our old podcasts. I think sometimes me and you get, it loses sight the fact that we talked to DeAndras Beatty back on one of our previous shows. We had Del Warren on. We had Bill Spigner. Uh, we, Danny Wiseman for 40 minutes. We talked to Danny Wiseman and uh, we had some really great stuff that if, if you just are tuning into the show for maybe the first or second time, by all means, those are all available on iTunes and on our website above 180. So check those out. Right. And some of our future interviews, Tim, uh, we'll give the, the listeners a little advanced screen here. Uh, Keith Hamilton, president of Bowlers Journal International. Uh, Lou Marquez of Turbo 2-in-1 Grips. Uh, Norm Duke will be a guest of ours in the near future. Uh, just an array of players. Uh, and I think it just gets better all the time, Tim. I mean, we, we try and dig deep into these interviews and try and get some insights from these players and, and coaches. And, and we're, we're all here to help you. So you're right. You, you stress all the time, send in your questions. You know, I mean, don't be afraid to ask anything because we're, we're here to help and help you become a better bowler. Exactly, Joey. And as we get closer with the USBC tournament starting up, uh, I know you don't like when I say that. You, you're being the ABC, but uh, we get as we get the tournament closer, starting up here at the beginning of March, we're going to be you want to you know we're going to be having people on to talk about the oil pattern. We're going to really you're going to want to listen and check out the website because we're going to help you and have you prepared for when you go out to Reno to make your trip, you can make it as successful as possible. Now, that being said, you still do need to make good shots and still need to uh, execute. But we're going to help you so that when you go out there, you don't say, man, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have done that. Well, you know, I I have friends in the industry, and one being Eric Pearson, who is uh, basically the head lane man for the USBC tournament, uh, helping to develop and design the the oil pattern that's going to be used. So we'll speak with Eric either directly or indirectly. 
Uh, we also have a good friend in Jeff Riggles, uh, Hall of Famer now, USBC Hall of Famer, uh, one of the premier teams every year at the national tournament. Uh, so we'll pick his brain a little bit and, and hear what his insights are. Uh, maybe even Tom Hess will get on the show, talk to him a little bit about his Masters win uh, and or when and if he goes out to the ABC tournament, which I would think he will since it's in the same place he won his Masters title. What do you think, Tom? Uh, yeah, exactly. I think he maybe he likes that arena setting, so maybe he's going to be vetoing, uh, uh, hoping that every event be moved to an arena type setting. And Joey, we are out of time. We're going to have to do it again next week, though. And for everyone listening, good luck and good bowling.